Good evening, my friends. Welcome back to Hitchens on Horror. I am your host, Josh Hitchens, and thank you for joining me for 12 Nights of Terror, where we explore the best in holiday fear. This is night number four, The Shining. So for those who have been listening to this podcast from its beginning, and even if you haven't, you can go back and listen to previous episodes, but I did include Stanley Kubrick's film of The Shining in my celebration of 62 horror movies for Halloween, but I'm doing it again for 12 Nights of Terror for several reasons. One, because it's my podcast and I can, but also because The Shining is one of those movies that you really could spend hours, if not days, talking about because there's so much going on, so much depth that's so good, but also because The Shining, for me, is one of Two movies that I watch every single year once we get our first big snow. It's The Shining, and the other is a film that we will encounter a little later on in this 12 Nights of Terror series. Uh, It is currently uh, December 17th, and the high today was, I think, 64 degrees. So we're a long way from snow at the moment because global warming, we're all going to die. But when it snows, The Shining is one of the films that I always watch. Um, And... Is The Shining a Christmas movie? I would argue absolutely yes, it is. Um, Because you can't just do murder Santa movies for the entire time because there are a million of those. Not all of them are great. You need some variety. So with The Shining, we're going to have a little bit of variety in our 12 Nights of Terror. And I would argue that The Shining is a great Christmas horror movie to watch where one family, a mother, a father, and their young child with supernatural gifts have the worst Christmas season you could ever imagine. So, a couple... I mean, I'm going to talk a lot about The Shining because there's so much to talk about, but uh, it is very well known that Stephen King, who obviously wrote the novel on which Stanley Kubrick's film is based, Stephen King hates this movie with a deep and fiery passion, still to this day. Even as recently as a few years ago, um, he commented that his, one of his one consolation that he had in life is that he outlived Stanley Kubrick. So there's a lot of bitterness going on. Um, But it makes sense if you understand the context in which Stephen King wrote The Shining. So Stephen King in the 1970s and 1980s, and he's acknowledged it both publicly and in writing, Stephen King was 
heavily addicted both to alcohol and drugs, especially cocaine, um, also um, addicted to cigarettes. And one of the things that he was very deeply upset about was Stanley Kubrick's adaptation in film. And it's a great film. And King even acknowledged that it is a great film. It's just not the film that he wanted to see. It's not the film of his book that he felt it deserved. And the reason is that the film version of The Shining really downplays the aspect of the main character, Jack Torrance's alcoholism and his struggle with that and his eventual overcoming of that. And at the time this film was released in 1980, Stephen King had not really come to terms with his addiction. He had not gone public with it. It was, sorry for the sirens, uh, it wasn't until much later, in the later, in the mid to late 1980s, when Stephen King finally came to terms with his addiction, and we'll be talking about that a little later on in this series, that's all I'll say for now, um, because Stephen King was an author who drank a lot, he had a wife, he had young children, um, the instance in The Shining where uh, Jack Torrance in the past has broken his young son Danny's arm because Danny was messing with his papers as he was writing, That's, that comes from real life. That actually did happen. He didn't, Stephen King did not break his son's arm, but he did hurt him. Um, and later on, by the time we get to say a book called The Tommyknockers, um, Stephen King in the 1980s, he writes that he wrote that book with Kleenex up his nose to stop the bleeding because he was doing so much cocaine. And he really didn't understand at the time this film was made how much the character of Jack Torrance was him at the time. And I think that's a big reason why Stephen King hated this film. Um, he has come around to it a little bit in recent years. Uh, a couple of years ago, he wrote a sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep, focusing on the character of Danny Torrance, who is the young son with The Shining in the first book. And that book was eventually adapted into a film directed by Mike Flanagan, who I think is one of the great latter-day interpreters of Stephen King's work. And Mike Flanagan, when he made Dr. Sleep into a movie, because the book goes back to the Overlook Hotel, Mike Flanagan was like, we have to go back to the Overlook Hotel of Stanley Kubrick, because that's what people know. And that film does that. And when Stephen King read that screenplay, he said that it redeemed everything that he had disliked about the Kubrick version. Um, even if you don't like Stephen King or are not interested in reading his books, not everyone is into him as a writer, I do, however, recommend you read his book on writing, which is basically part autobiography and also part 
manual about how to be a great writer. And it's an incredible book. And he is really generously honest in his depiction of his experience with addiction and how it affected his work and how it affected negatively, of, of course, affected his wife and his children until he was finally able to stop and become sober. So read on writing if you haven't. Uh, it's an extraordinary book. But, so, The Shining, it's a Christmas movie. I don't care what you say. Uh, and when I covered this movie for 62 Horror Movies, I did focus a lot on the performance of Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance, um, because she's brilliant, and she was maligned for so many years for her performance, but she really is extraordinary. She goes the whole, every emotion that a human can experience, Shelley Duvall touches in this film. And it's no secret, and I again, again, I talk about it more in the 62 Horror Movies podcast, that Stanley Kubrick, the director, was extremely hard on Shelley Duvall, and that's putting it lightly, during the filming of this movie. He berated her, isolated her, um, he told members of the crew, and this is documented on film in Kubrick's daughter's Vivian's documentary about the making of The Shining. Um, he tells the crew, don't sympathize with Shelley. And then he turns to Shelley Duvall. It doesn't help you. Um, and Shelley Duvall eventually at one point showed Jack Nicholson clumps of her hair that had fallen out due to stress. And Shelley Duvall also said, because Kubrick was meticulous as a filmmaker and film scenes over and over and over again, sometimes over 100 takes of one scene. Um, and because for much of the movie, she is in a state of panic and hysteria and deep trauma, emotion, Shelley Duvall said that eventually, you know, in the scenes which required her to cry and sob, she, her body actually ran out of tears. And so she started carrying water bottles around with her uh, during filming, uh, just so she could rehydrate herself to be able to generate tears again. Uh, which... I don't think is a great way as a director myself to create a performance, but it's undeniable that Shelley Duvall delivers an incredible performance in The Shining as Wendy Torrance. And if you want to get a glimpse of the greatness of her acting, apart from the later pain and hysteria that the movie demands, I invite you to look at that scene near the very beginning of the movie when she's talking to the psychiatrist played by Ann Jackson and she lights a cigarette of Virginia Slim and she tries to explain to this psychiatrist about her husband breaking 
their son's arm, but that he didn't mean it. He was drinking, but he's not drinking anymore. He's been sober now. Just watch her face. All of the emotions that play across her face, you can see so many things that she's trying to hide and fails to hide. And as she talks and talks and talks to the psychiatrist, she never ashes her cigarette. That cigarette ash gets taller and taller and taller. Uh, that's a great fucking scene. Um, but anyway, in praise of Shelley Duvall, and it, it, it is important to note that Shelley Duvall is okay now. Um, she has struggled with mental illness throughout her life, um, but she did an interview recently, which I talked about on 62 Horror Movies, where she lives in a very isolated place. She has a partner, and she's very happy living in anonymity, living her life. So, God bless you, Shelley Duvall. Um, so, Shelley Duvall aside, I do think I was remiss when I first covered... The Shining in 62 horror movies in that I didn't give appropriate um, appreciation to the performance of Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance in The Shining. I mean, Stephen King famously hated the casting of uh, Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance and it's understandable because Jack Torrance is Stephen King, so Stephen King would have a very strong opinion about the person who's playing him. Uh, and the general wisdom is that Jack Nicholson plays his character as crazy from the very beginning, so there's no journey, nowhere to go. And when I watched The Shining... Uh, just recently, in preparation for this podcast, I, I think saw for the first time truly how tremendously great Jack Nicholson's acting is in The Shining. He is so present in every moment. I mean, I think I, I felt, oh, it's one of those over-the-top Jack Nicholson performances, but if you actually watch The Shining again, it's not that. When you watch the scenes with Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, there is so much depth. There are so many layers of emotions and intentions going on. And as extreme as Jack Nicholson is asked, to go in this film to the point of breaking through a door with an axe and saying, here's Johnny, which was an improv, um, his own idea, by the way. Um, and Stanley Kubrick didn't understand that Tonight Show Johnny Car Carson reference and almost cut it from the film, but then didn't, thank goodness. Um, but his work is so deep and rich. And I would... Uh, Similarly to how I pointed you to Shelley Duvall's work in that scene with the psychiatrist early in the film, I'd also point you, if you want to see and appreciate how great Jack Nicholson is in this film, I would watch the scenes both with Lloyd the bartender and Delbert Grady 
the former caretaker before Jack Torrance came along. He, Jack Nicholson, runs the spectrum of all the emotions in those scenes, and it's not overplayed. It is subtle and rich and deep. Um, and I think people think of Jack Nicholson as sort of a showboat actor, but there's a great quote from him that I really enjoy and I want to share here uh, because people think he's just a personality. Uh, he plays Jack Nicholson every time. But uh, Jack Nicholson uh, wrote in a letter, oh God, I think to... I think to Al Pacino or someone of that ilk, some actor studio contemporary of his. And Jack Nicholson said, I'm still fooling them. There's no one who understands method acting better than I do and who uses it the most in his work. And I think you can really see that in his performance as Jack Torrance in The Shining. He is truly, truly incredible. He makes every moment work, no matter how crazy it is. And the moments get crazy in this film. But Jack Nicholson is always grounded and real. And that's what makes him absolutely fucking terrifying. There are other actors in The Shining that I want to highlight that I did not highlight the last time and I think deserve consideration. I mean, we have to talk about Danny Lloyd, who plays Danny Torrance, who is the one with The Shining. And Stephen King got that phrase, The Shining, from the John Lennon uh plastic Ono band song, Instant Karma, with the lyric, We All Shine On. And Danny Lloyd was chosen out of literally a cast of thousands for this film, um, because Jack Nicholson, as a person, spoke with a kind of noticeable New Jersey accent, and Shelley Duvall, playing uh, Danny's mother, spoke with kind of a Texas accent. Uh, the director, Stanley Kubrick, wanted to find a child actor to play Danny that had a voice that melded the two. So he went to the Midwest and he found Danny Lloyd. And I think it's worth noting and very important that as... I mean, honestly, sadistic as uh, Stanley Kubrick was with Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson. He was, Kubrick was, extremely protective of Danny Lloyd during this film. Danny Lloyd did not know he was making a horror movie. He thought he was making just a family drama, which, uh, if you go on the YouTube, there's a really fun edit that I'm sure a lot of you have seen of this film called, a trailer for it called Shining, where it makes it look like a wholesome family drama. And that's really what Danny Lloyd as a child thought that he was filming. Uh, in the harshest scenes, Kubrick really protected him. Uh, in, for instance, the scene where Wendy, a play by Shelley Duvall, is holding Danny in her arms after Danny's horrific encounter in room 237. 
uh, saying to Jack, you did it, you, you, you did it, meaning Jack is the one that strangled him and left the bruises. That's not actually Danny Lloyd. It is a life-size, very realistic dummy of Danny Lloyd, um, which you'd never know unless you read the trivia. Um, Danny Lloyd did not see the complete cut of this movie until he was 17 years old. And that's when he found out what he did. And Stanley Kubrick uh, maintained contact with Danny Lloyd throughout the rest of his life. Um, he uh, would call him on his birthdays, wish him a happy birthday, and he uh, wished him happy graduation when Danny Lloyd graduated high school. So I do think that's important to note that Kubrick is not just a sadist. That does not excuse his behavior whatsoever. But uh, I do think it's important to note that he did protect Danny Lloyd as a child during the filming of this movie, which went on for a very, very, very long time. Because Kubrick wanted to shoot all the scenes in sequence, so that meant that the sets for The Shining, which were huge, occupied the entirety of Elstree Studios in England um, for over a year. Uh... And that's a reason why Steven Spielberg's Raiders from the Lost Ark was delayed because they were Stanley Kubrick was still filming The Shining, but um, that calls Kubrick and Spielberg to strike up a friendship, um, and that's lovely. Uh, other actors I want to lift up as I talk about The Shining here. Uh, Scatman Crothers as Dick Halloran, who does tremendous, tremendous work in this film, again, under very arduous circumstances. Stanley, uh, Scatman Crothers, for many of his scenes in this film, had to do upwards of 100 takes for a single scene, and there is one scene where Scatman Crothers finally, after hours and hours and hours of filming broke down and said, what do you want, Mr. Kubrick? And Stanley Kubrick said, I don't know what I want. I only know what I don't want. Let's do it again. And uh, the next movie that Scatman Crothers starred in after The Shining was a movie, which I haven't seen, called Bronco Billy, which was directed by Clint Eastwood, who has himself won two Oscars for Best Director. Uh, and Clint Eastwood is famous for only usually doing one take of a scene. And Scatman Crothers on Bronco Billy, he did his first scene, the first take, and then Clint Eastwood said, Great, print it. And Scatman Crothers burst into tears. So grateful that he didn't have to fucking do it again and again and again, like he had done for Stanley Kubrick. Um, so praise to, Scat to Scatman Crothers as well. I also want to lift up the names of Philip Stone as Delbert Grady, the former caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, and Joe Turkle as Lloyd, the bartender, both of whom both spent 
stay uh, on their main scene, spent days from about 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. doing the same scene over and over and over again. And they both said that by the end of the day, they their clothes were completely soaking wet with perspiration as if they've been doused with water. But my God, they are haunting and creepy and unforgettable in those roles. Uh, also worth mentioning, and I'm ashamed I didn't mention them before when I covered this film in 62 Horror Movies, uh, the two actors that play, uh, respectively, young woman in Bath and old woman in Bath, and I'm speaking of the women, uh, the ghostly women that Jack Torrance uh, encounters in room 237. Leah Beldam plays the young woman. Billy Gibson plays the old woman. Neither of them had ever acted before. Um, Leah Beldam had experience as a nude model uh, for artists, so she was very comfortable being naked in front of a large room of people, and she said that she had a great time being kissed by Jack Nicholson about 50 times. Um, and Billy Gibson um, is often confused for the mother of the actor uh, Mel Gibson, um, but she's not. Um, but this was also her only film as well. Both of them are indelible. Once you see that scene in room 237, you don't forget it. As I said in uh, 62 Horror Movies, The Shining is one of the few films that I've ever seen that gets seeing ghosts right. I mean, I am a person myself who has experienced ghosts. I see spirits. I have since I was a child. I still do today. And The Shining really gets that experience right because what The Shining does with its phantoms in the Overlook Hotel is that they are just simply there. You're just going about your day and they're just there suddenly right in front of you, and you sense deep in your gut that it is wrong, and you know it's wrong, but they're there, and then they're gone. And that's what I think makes this film so terrifying. I also find it interesting in how Kubrick dealt with the uh, supernatural element of this film. Because Kubrick did not really believe in the paranormal. When he first acquired the rights to The Shining, he called Stephen King and he said, Oh, isn't it how nice, how optimistic ghost stories are? Because it means that there is a possibility of humans surviving death. And Stephen King said, Well, what about hell? And Kubrick said, after a long silence, I don't believe in hell. And then Stephen King said, and it's probably their first difference out of dozens or hundreds, 
Stephen King said, well, there are many people who do believe in hell and they fear it worse than death itself. The Shining is an extraordinary film and I think it's important to remember how quickly it happens if you pay attention to the title cards that happen as the film goes on. Once they get to the Overlook Hotel, the descent into madness and fear and haunting and paranoia is hugely fast. And with the blizzard coming, the snow that cuts them off from all communication, I mean... We've all experienced that, haven't we, on a winter's night, realizing that, oh, finally, there's a big snow. You're snowed in. There's nowhere to go. No way for anyone to get to you. And you're left alone with yourself. And that's another great thing, I think, Kubrick does as a director, is that whenever a ghost is seen in this film, there is a mirror on screen or another reflective surface to suggest that what we think are ghosts, these things that are urging us to do these horrific acts, it's like Macbeth. It's like the three weird sisters in Macbeth that they pronounce their prophecy and say their words and appear to you, but everything that they're saying to you and appearing to you already exists inside your soul. Jack Torrance, even though he's trying his best, already wants to kill his family. He wants to be free. And this is a great movie, for the Christmas season, or any season, but I think The Shining is especially effective when you watch it snowed in, in your house, or your apartment, or wherever you live, and know that you're not going to be able to go out into the public world for at least a day. Watch The Shining at night, and experience it's beautiful, exquisitely wrought terror. My friends, thank you for listening to Hitchens on Horror with our 12 Nights of Terror series as we explore the best in the holiday fear. Tomorrow night, we are going to talk about perhaps the most famous and also the most controversial Christmas horror movie ever made with a killer Santa, Silent Night, Deadly Night, released in 1984 and iconic enough to spawn not just one, but four different sequels, and I'll touch on those as well. In the meantime, pleasant dreams, my friends, 
and happy holidays, and I will see you again tomorrow night.